Thank you. Are back. Yes. Oh, thank you so much for watching another episode of Talking Upstream. My name is Zach, and uh, this is Dylan over here. And collectively and together, a lot of the time, we are some nobodies. And this is our website kind of up here behind me. You can check out all the weird stuff that we do. You might have listened to one of our weird podcasts. You might have seen uh, Dylan show up on a D&D podcast where you might have seen me on Jeff Waskin's show. Uh, you might have watch this show many many times and we appreciate it either way we are just content creators we like to uh think of weird stories that we haven't seen before and explore them and hopefully yeah. make them into something and obviously yeah. we, the show is called talking upstream because what we're trying to do is talk ourselves up to a streaming service we are trying to sell out aggressively and quickly because we need that money we can Desperately. use that money <laughs> uh dylan until we get that money how are you sir i'm doing okay it's been uh it's been a weird week, but doing okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh now if you don't know, we live in Colorado and it has been uh weird temperatures this week. It has been uh record breaking highs, kinda chilly at nighttime. It's been weird. Yeah. And it is warm it's supposed today, to but... snow this week, so uh Yes. I love Colorado. So I'll take great. it. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. So we need it. Uh, Everybody yeah. says we need it. We need it. We need we it do. before the fires go. Uh, okay, so if you were watching last week, we had we, an amazing Zach, guest. We had an amazing. Zach, how are you? Hey, you know that's the one thing I like there about you, you. You always take your time and make sure that my mental I, health is. I'm great. I'm great. I'm good. Great. Okay. Live, cool. Living the dream. But let Just me get checking. back into it. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I am great. Thank you very much for asking, Dylan. Uh, yeah, last week we had a great show. Uh, Mr. Drake Now was on. We came up with a very cool concept, which I uh, ended up being – I was dude, I was having a lot of fun. That's a good that. one. That cool. uh, but we have a very special guest this week, and I'm super excited. Uh, so, Dylan, do you want to please introduce our guest this week? Sure. So this week we are joined by Jess Paul. She is an actor, a writer, producer. She has a bunch of short films and uh, – Gonna let her talk about the specifics now. Hello. Oh, there she is. <laughs> Hello, Jess Paul. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm living well, in my own little galaxy and enjoying enjoying the uh, the talking upstream. You're basically creating a, a new story to not only enjoy, you know, but to explore. And I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, and thanks for bringing the galaxy because that is the best place yeah. to explore. I I chose a library. Dylan chose a uh, where where are you? A writer's it's, desk. It's, yes, home it's, it's my room? den. It's my lair. A den. Oh, cool. Yeah, right on. Uh, so, Miss Jessal, I can't afford a tower people? yet. I know, man. We're working on it. We're working on it. Working <laughs> we'll get to that it. later. But, uh, Miss Jess Paul, do you want to tell our friends and family like what what you're into? What are you up to these days? Oh my God, I'm into too many things, really. Like I I've maxed out on all the hours of the day in which I can, you know, 
uh, do all the things that I want to do, uh, include making uh, fake food, hair accessories. Um, put, I have a variety YouTube show that's really bad for my brand because it's like 10 different topics and not there's no one that's possibly interested in all the same things I am. But I'm an actor. I'm a producer. I live in Los Angeles in order to be those things during the pandemic. Not very helpful, but I am enjoying my time here. I, I'm enjoying my life. And if anyone else is interested in my life, all you have to do is Google Just Paul or find me on any of my socials at This Is Just Paul. But you won't go there. You don't know me yet. We're going to get to do that this episode. <laughs> Yeah, at the end of this, no. please stop, stop. Don't watch the end of this. Go check out all of Jess Paul's <laughs> amazing artwork. Uh, she does some very, very cool stuff. I actually yeah. met her on a different show called Talk Creative to Me, where she was uh, showing off uh, a lot, like uh, beautiful pieces of pie that you could wear on your head and uh, donuts. <laughs> I can, I can show you guys head. here. I mean, li li listen, I yeah. am, I am the kid that shows their mom every single piece of crap so that she'll put it on the fridge. Like I, oh, I, I'm that person. So here's the pie. I think you were referring to. <laughs> Whoa. This super realistic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. God, it's beautiful. While in Hollywood, I want to try to contribute as much as possible. So I, I, I sell to, uh, sometimes movies, sometimes stage plays very, very famously fake pies are bought on the, off the internet for the show. Um, the waitress on Broadway. I oh. didn't sell mine to Broadway. I sold mine to a drag queen who was doing a, a number from the waitress, which is honestly better in my opinion. I'm oh, yeah. proud of that. So this one went there and, and I have tons of other things, but of course I didn't have the foresight to move them all towards me to show, show them off. But you guys get the picture. If you want to see more, you can Google just Paul art, which will, which it will bring you there. It will bring you to all my fake food on Etsy and you'll enjoy it. Hopefully. Yes. And I have stalked yeah. it and I have uh, yeah. drooled over some uh, <laughs> uh, uh, inedible things. So that's, uh, that's the best compliment when somebody's saying <laughs> that like, they're so upset that they can't eat my food. It's like, um, I feel you. I honestly get hungry. I, I just had donuts today for, I have Sunday donuts every, every Sunday for the most part. And, uh, um, you know, actually funny story. <laughs> One time at the same donut place that I go and, and eat my Sunday donuts, they gave me the wrong one. Like they put it in the, in the bag, um, you know, without me seeing, and it was just like a regular glazed donut. Cause when I go, I like to get a little bit jazzy, you know, I like to find the really unique ones. Cause like, you know, so what I did <laughs> is I actually, I brought the donut home, put it in a container, put it in my closet and petrified it for two weeks. Then I made a silicone mold of it. One of my best selling products. I sell real <laughs> molded donuts here. I'll show you it. It's, it's, it's over in the corner that I didn't, I didn't get. Yeah, she just leaves food. So in the here's closet. a tower of donuts. That, wow. That these, these are something that I that I make. I need to put my earphone in to hear you guys laugh and enjoy wow. my donuts. So wow. So we've got we've got gorgeous. breakfast cereal, recognized. Yeah. We've got we've got, you know, for those people who like blue flavored stuff, and the classic pink sprinkle. Mm. This is the most popular. This the is Sim very, very Simpson popular. donut. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> huh. so do you sell those by the do you sell those by the dozen or just like I, I do. I give bulk discounts <laughs> wow. for selling by the dozen. That is wild. That is what incredible. Are they, 
if I can ask, what are they molded out of? Like what, so, what are they formed from? Yes. I, so I take both, I can sculpt out of clay food. Cause some things you cannot put into silicone because they're like, like, like uh apple pie filling. You can't really mold that. So, um, so sometimes I have to make stuff out of clay, but this, so, Oh, here's a great example. So this one, this particular donut, see, it's very perfect and round and smooth. I molded this one out of clay. I, I sculpted this one out of clay. This one is that petrified donut that was in my closet. So it has like a really realistic texture to it in a, in a very organic shape. And so you cast those in silicone, fast, fast acting silicone. And then <laughs> I, I run them in this is memory foam. Uh, it, it's it's squishy, it's soft, and it's very flexible. I think that I can, if you can get a better 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 view of my donuts. But yeah, it's it's memory foam, and um, it's that means it's super lightweight. It's super durable. I'm like getting a workout doing that. I'm the best salesperson for this stuff. And uh, and yeah, I'm, I basically live in a fantasy. I don't even know what adulting is really like. It's been really hard for me to figure out what I'm supposed to feel like as an adult because I'm just surrounded by make-believe every day. And I'm really grateful for that. <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, are, are like donuts and pastries, those like the best sellers, right? Because that's what people want. Well, so I started off with donuts. And if you think about it, I try to pose this to people. Think about how many possible foods of all ethnicities there that there are in the world. Then think about all the variations, the colors, like take a pie. How many different pies can you name? So I started at the desserts and the bakery items. And eventually I'm just going to work my way out to as many foods as possible. There's this practice in Japan. Um, it's called uh, Samparu. And uh, it's kind of related, but I haven't quite reached the China, the, uh, the Japanese market because they're way across the, the world from me. But it's the practice of making realistic model food to put into the windows of some of their their restaurants. It's, it's very popular. And it happened when actually a lot of our soldiers were over across seas, um, you know, or, or even maybe they weren't even American, but, you know, foreign, they, they couldn't speak Japanese. And basically all they had to do was point at stuff in, in the case. And so I'm kind of figuring that out on my own. The, those things are usually rigid and not squishy and fun and, and easy to, to, uh, to throw at the wall. Um, but, but I, I do think I have something special and, and that's what I want to do in this world. Like at the end of, at the end of our lives, don't we just want to offer something unique to the world, which is what you guys are doing because you're coming up with a brand new story every single time you do the show. Yeah. But unfortunately none of it you can nap on. So I think you're yeah. there because you can just fall right asleep on that stuff, which is great. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, not only are you an amazing creator of delicious looking headwear, uh, you also create movies and, uh, and, and uh, uh, projects the same way that we would love to, which is not that we don't love <laughs> your delicatessen. Yeah. No, uh, I understand. But, but, but you know, obviously, uh, outside of what Dylan wants to do, I would like to make some movies. So I was very interested in talking to you about your creative process. Um, so if it's okay, we could talk about that. Um, now, what got you into that? Was it the desire to create something or was it the desire to act in something or just to be a part of it all? Yes, I don't know how... Um how universal it is when it comes to actors that write and, and produce and direct. But 
and this this goes down to the bare basics of my, the foundation of my personality. Uh, you could have predicted this of me when I was like two years old, um, and and you know not, not listening to my dad as I ventured out into the neighborhood, or or you know making my own little little play stories with my Barbies. But I I always wanted to be a performer when I was younger. I wanted to be an actor. Like when I was like up, since I was ten years old, I really liked it. You know, everybody congratulated me when I was on stage, and, and then as time went on. It it became the art form that I respect it to be today. And then as I grew and 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 learned about the actual filmmaking process, it was about post uh, college because I didn't go to college for acting because I felt like that was a dumb idea. I'd probably make so many enemies when I say that. <laughs> but like, but you know, to go, you, you would go to like, you know, theater school and I didn't want to go to theater. I just, I wanted to be in movies. So I instead went for art school. Isn't that a better idea? Um, <laughs> but it all worked out. It really did. I, I do have a day job that involves my degree. Um, I'm graphic designer. And and I basically, you know, scrounge up some of that money and and some of that, you know, the notoriety that I get from the things that I've already done to hopefully produce the things that I want to produce. And it all does come down to, like I alluded to in the beginning of answering this question, that I realized that in this day and age, it's so easy to start a podcast, to make a, a like a low budget movie, to to be picked out of the crowd to be an actor that I always believed, you have to do every single thing in your power to kind of mold your mold to mold your own career um, and, and turn it into the thing that you want to make because things are so much more accessible than they were even 10, 20 years ago as far as filmmaking equipment, um, exposure to big audiences. I can, I mean, the reason that I've started acting at all after college is because I had a an, another YouTube show called Wrecked Radio and it and it became somewhat popular and I did that for my dorm room with for no money like I actually am still using some of the cheap ass stuff that I that I bought when I was 19 years old trying to just light myself for my bedroom talk show where I talked about emo and pop punk music and tried to like write jokes um, it was it was something that's basically kickstarted the whole idea of oh I can kind of do this myself I don't have to let anybody you know pick me out of the crowd I don't have to um, sacrifice my own choices I don't have to suck anyone's um, you know I just I can do this myself you know I can be my own producer and so the things that I've produced so far and then plan to produce are things that I want to build my catalog off of I want to you know be the pilot of my own star line and that's that's what I try to do every single day yeah now were you a like concept creator before you started acting or was that something that kind of came afterward? I mean, I know you had a podcast before, which obviously that's a, a bit of creation itself, but did you did you ever like write stories or movies before you started acting or was that afterwards? Yeah, I'll give you the timeline. So I never had a podcast. I'm the, I'm the podcast guest. I am like the universal podcast guest that's on everybody's podcast and I never had a podcast. Maybe I will someday. Um, but what I did is I started acting when I, like I said, when I was like 10 years old. So the idea of wanting to be a performer was that early. YouTube didn't exist yet. 
then as I was working my way up um, to understanding like what it meant to be a performer, what it could be, what, could, what it could look like, uh, you know, because there are going to be actors that are coming up right now that might never see themselves in theater and, and streaming, if the, even a, if a movie's successful because streaming has become so prevalent. So when I saw the, 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 the horizon changing for how technology works, how this entertainment industry is shifting, I realized that YouTube could be kind of an avenue. And well, I mean, separately from that, like I started the show kind of just for fun because I had gotten this, this not the same MacBook, that would have been a very long time ago and a very good MacBook, but I got my first MacBook when I was going into college. So it was the first time that I could like listen to all this music that I never heard. I could just get it off of like our download sites and stuff like that. Um, and I, I, I fell in, and I realized I was watching YouTube shows that, you know, they, they broke down some of the barriers and showed you behind the scenes and they just had a green bed sheet hanging up behind them. You know, well now you don't even need a green bed sheet. You know, some, sometimes they'll do it for you. Uh, some of these apps, but I realized like, oh my God. So you mean in my free time while I'm, you know, in between studying on the days that I have off, I can make a show and it worked out. And so they are separate, but related things. Like I, I view them as very much helpful to each other. Me being on, to be honest, if I wasn't a YouTuber, I would not be the performer I am today just because I made myself and a lot like you guys, you know, you guys are constantly practicing and, and, uh, you know, stimulating your brains for these, the storytelling that this show is, is so much more important than I think even a lot of people understand because a lot of people who want to call themselves writers, who want to, who want to call themselves actors, they don't, they don't practice their craft enough to actually be able to to say that with with honest, you know, um, integrity behind it to say that you're a practicing or a working whatever, because we just a lot of the times wait for people to give us permission. And it's we're now in an age like this is the time where you can't be waiting for that. You have to you have to go out and do it yourself or else you're kind of uh, a couple steps behind all the people that are that are doing it themselves. Now, speaking of doing it yourself, uh, Promenade, that was something that you wrote, produced, and directed, and starred in, right? All, yeah. all four of those? Oh, all yeah. those things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, when did that story kind of pop into your brain? Um, yeah, let's start there. When did the story of Promenade, was it, a, was it a writing thing first, or did you actually write it to be all of those things, to, like, to be able to produce it yourself? Here's the story and here's the intention. So it all started when I went to Sundance. Um, I went to Sundance in 2014 when one of the shorts that I did not produce, write or anything like that, I just was uh, one of the lead actors and it went to Sundance. It was probably one of the, the biggest things that encouraged the rest of that my career, aside from like the YouTube, which was like, okay, that was popular and everything. But now I was in a movie that made it to Sundance. So I, I watched this, I, I so basically I went to a theater in Salt Lake City and I got to see that film on the big screen in the theater and uh, you know amongst all these people and, and it was in the way that Sundance and any festival works is that they're in a shorts block so I got to watch my film with about you know eight to ten other fil short films and I watched this one called Best it was three minutes long including the it was like. Was it including the creds? Yeah, it was very short. Basically, it was like a scene. And it was so impactful to me. It was the only one that I remembered because it had drama. It had a twist built into this 
the, this really constrained time frame. And I realized that if if anyone wants to try their hand at acting, directing, producing, all that, even even to just direct your first film, why don't you start with something so short and easy to manage? Because as I had been acting up to that point, or in around that point, because I went to Sundance and I had experience acting before, I had been in stuff afterwards before I, you know, actually wrote Promenade, and I realized that people that when they're starting out, these filmmakers they pour so much time and money into these gigantic projects that they have no no reason to finish because you have these volunteer actors that have to drop out or cut their hair or move away you have this you know this time like you're you're going to your day job and you're trying to you know keep these talented people together and that just doesn't work all the time reality is that people have only so much time and volunteer, you know, in their heart. I had, I had stayed on a project for years after like the entire cast dropped out and I just had to watch that happen. So I realized that if, if I wanted to try my hand at directing because I had never before done it before Promenade and I wanted to see what I could do in that short amount of time. And to be honest, when I was doing it and, and done with it, I, I didn't expect it even at that point to be like the best thing that anyone would ever watch that they'd ever see. I wanted to, it to be practice. And then when I went to the festivals and had a drink with all the other directors that, you know, I, I'd say I, I made prominent tell me how you think about it. And they would say, Oh my God, it was great. I'm like, okay, but what didn't you like about it? Please tell me, I want to learn. This is my, this is my first film. Like tell me at least one thing that, that you criticize about it. And then over time I collected, this is one of my favorite ways to annotate a script, to get notes is to, give your script to multiple people of multiple ranges, like an audience member who doesn't write an actual screenwriter peer, um, a, a mentor, a teacher, um, a paid service, you know, give it out to those people and then collect all of the criticism and see which ones overlap. And that's probably the thing that you need to work on most. So Promenade was made to be my trial of just directing. And the story itself came from my first feature film that I ever wrote, again, when I was in college, 19 years old. It was called Jesse's Girl. And I still want to produce it today. Time is ticking because I, I will no longer be able to be a, the college student that's supposed to play in this. But I've always written films just to act in them. That's the main goal. That's what I did, did it for and continue to do it for. If somebody wanted to buy my script and not include me in it, it basically might as well not exist because that's just what I what they're for. And so Promenade was a, a little slice of life. It wasn't exactly the same, but I kind of uh, cannibalized my own character and, and basic themes to, the, to make this, you know, four minute film with credits to just make my my footprint put a little toe in the waters of filmmaking, if you will, um, because I had produced one feature before that one feature after that, but I had never directed and I produce other shorts too, but I'd never directed my own short that I had written and starred in. And so I just wanted to see what it felt like, you know? Now, when you write, when, when you get down to write and you have an idea and you capitalize on, on it, I, a lot of people get asked like, Oh, where do you come up with your ideas? Which I think is kind of a useless question. When you have an idea, how do you go about capitalizing on it and actually developing it and putting it down? Is there a specific method to it or is it just madness put onto paper? 
All of my scripts have come from different places. Jesse's Girl, I started as a trailer in my mind. I knew I was going into college and I had known what the college looked like. And I thought about, because I was literally thinking like it was, it was total just like brainstorming. I was thinking like, if I could make a movie when I go to college, what would it, what could I do with the space that I have? Um, because it was the first time I was ever in this different place, this big campus. So, and I was always doing that. Like when I made shorts, like that, I don't even count back on the, you know, like the DV cam with the tiny little cassette with my sister and, and my friends, you know, we would use the stuff around the house. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why I wrote Promenade the way that I wrote it, because I was like, okay, what resources do I have that are free to me instead of writing something that I have to retrofit for like some place or some people or some resources that I don't have. So that swimming pool, if you guys have even even seen the, the poster, you, you don't even have to watch the movie. That swimming pool is one of the coolest things that I've ever had in my life because, you know, we have we had a always had a like a nice house in the suburbs of Pittsburgh where I grew up. Um, you know, it was a modest house. We were, you know, middle class, but we had a, we did have an in-ground pool that I always thought was just so cool in my backyard. So I'm like, let's dress up this set to make it look like kind of a prom. And, uh, and, and, you know, put these characters in that s setting. And so that's what Jesse's Girl was. I thought of the trailer and how to make a, a teen rom-com out of it. And then I built the story off of that and a character I wanted to play. My second feature that I ever wrote, it, it, this is going to sound cheesy, but it did come from a dream. I, my... I was dreaming it was it's called body and it's a and it's a ghost story and it's about a girl who can see ghosts okay every, we've seen a lot of stories like that and she's working with a priest and it's in the 70s and it has to do with a lot of these people that were killed in a cathedral what you know um being being mass murdered and uh, that story wasn't in the dream i just had the dream was just like this idea that this girl and I knew her name was Body in my dream. Her name was Body. That's just, I knew that. And she was seeing a dog a dog barking and she told her friend who was a priest that that dog saw a ghost. And that's all I had. And my roommate woke me up because I was going to be late for class. And the only reason that I remembered that dream was because she woke me up. I thank God, God all the time because I would have never you know, written one of my favorite stories. So it comes from a lot of places of inspiration. Usually... Uh, it is a, a character that I want to embody because, I mean, doesn't that make sense for me for what I've said before so far that I, I, you know, I write characters for myself and in scenarios that I understand my third feature that I'm not yet done with because I'm not like, I'm that kind of writer that's not, you know, firstly a writer, I want to be a performer. So I've been sitting on my third script for a couple of years now, not having finished it, but um, it has to do with the art scene. And that's obviously where I, I grew up it, it, you know, my education and, and being part of those kinds of people. So yeah, it comes, you, you know, write what you know, write what you want to be. And, and that's what I did. Yeah. That's the origins. Is, is there a dream project you'd want to work on or is that still kind of behind the scenes? Well, the thing is I, I, I get asked that a lot. Uh, you mean as a performer, as an actor in general, the thing is that that question makes sense to ask a theater actor because they can all already envision the shows that have been in, you know, do you call that syndication for years, you know, sure. the, like, yeah. for a century. So with a film actor, besides the ones that I've written, I don't yet know what I'd be cast for. There is a film. Uh, I keep putting this out there, but it's not been officiated yet. There's this film that I read before the quarantine and was cast in, but nothing is set in stone. And um, 
and it, it is a, it's another ghost story it's a ghost comedy so that i just combined it, this the two films that i just told you, you know as far as thematics go and i didn't write it it was um uh it was written by a french canadian named boris cole and i met the producer and i met him and uh i'm, I'm slated to to star in it but i don't know what's going to happen after all of this shakes out. I just hope we all have an industry when we, after we're all vaccinated. So. Yeah. Now, speaking of which, how, how do you feel the movie industry is going to go after the pandemic now that Marvel's putting out, you know, series instead of movies and the Snyder cut can show that people can watch a four hour thing over the course of a span. Do you think that's going to do anything to uh, cinema itself? I do not think that the modern film industry is going to suffer. It's going to shift, you know, and I'm not really completely sure in which way, you know, we, we saw from the, the Godzilla box office that people are very excited to get back to theaters. So before the pandemic, a lot of people did speculate that, you know, cinema wouldn't be a thing anymore. We're going to go to streaming, you know, all AMC had, you know, filed for bankruptcy, whatever. And I believe I, this is my general thought for the entire pandemic, um, though it's been a harrowing journey seeing all of the stops and starts and, you know, it's really upsetting death tolls and, and everything that we've been through for the whole year. Um, I believe that people will be ecstatic, including the ones that have been very careful during this whole thing. Like I, I've barely left my house, but for groceries of this whole time, I, I actually stopped acting. I stopped auditioning during the pandemic just because I did the things that I'm auditioning for. Cause I've only been in, in Los Angeles for a year. Um, they're not really worth, you know, getting the COVID virus over possibly dying or being hospitalized or, or spreading it to people that are close to me. So I, I took the year not off. I was working very hard to save money at my day job, but I, from acting. Yeah. And, and I'm, as soon as I get my vaccine, I'm going to be e emailing my agent. I'm back. Send, send auditions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Now, g going back to writing, uh, are you someone that has a lot of weird ideas that you keep kind of cataloging and then go back to them? Or do you have the kind of brain where you're like, I need to focus on this one script that I've been working on for a while now, and you put most of your mental effort into one project? Or are you like me, where uh, it's just like 90 ideas every single day and you lose toilet paper that you're writing on? Okay. Uh, so... Yeah, uh, that's a good question. I usually don't have a whole lot of projects that I'm working on at one time. Um, if I think I'm going to do something with it, I start hustling. Like when I learned that I was possibly going to be pitching Jesse's Girl to a to a producer, I did a, a big, you know, draft over, you know, made all, all kinds of changes and then paid my friend uh, $300 to create the budget, uh, like any kind of budget for it um, so that I could present it. And so when I get those kinds of offers, I just kind of hustle. It's really bad to, to do that kind of thing last minute. But yeah, I guess there's a couple things that I overlap, but usually I try to work on something to make it whole and to make it uh, marketable. Like, you know how I said, I, you know, thought of the trailer for Jesse's girl before I thought of the rest. I, I always have marketing in, in the back of my mind. That's actually what I went to school for. I, the reason that I went to my school, uh, West Virginia Wesleyan university, 
uh, for, for design what I was because I was trying to find a school that would combine the two things that I wanted to do, which was kind of marketing and design. So like, you know, you know, marketing, advertising or something like marketing design. And so whenever I think about that, I think of like, what does the pitch sound like? What does the per the, the poster look like? Um, what audience would this be best for? And Promenade and, and Jesse's Girl being LGBT, it kind of exists within that audience. Our world is getting so big. And I know this through the idea of YouTube that we think that you know, our success is going to level, like our, our absolute pipe dream success is going to level on being the most known person in the entire English speaking world, an A-list celebrity. But as I'm going through my life and exploring this world that I call being a creative professional, I'm realizing that it's a lot more about finding your community and they can be big and they can be small. They can be vast and specific. And so I'm just, for my goals have shifted from becoming like some kind of pipe dream A-list celebrity to just finding the people that appreciate the kind of stories I'm telling and those people that relate to it because it's not going to be everybody. You can't hook everybody with, with your story if they, if they are not in your demographic. So I'm, I'm constantly trying to find those like-minded people and to create kind of relationships that are a little bit more substantial than a lot of little ones that are meh, you know. Yeah. Wow. Now, when it comes to like creating more projects and, you know, actually being an actor or <clears throat> just, you know, attaching yourself to projects, is there like a central theme that you'd like to kind of keep within or are you just trying to build up and build up until you can just start doing everything you would like to do? Zach, you have so many good questions. Um, thank you for being such a great interviewer, but um, I like to do a little bit of everything. I, you know, I created this card that my agent didn't appreciate at all that um, that had a bunch of pictures of all the different characters that I've ever played. Like when I dye my hair, I look like a different person and I, you know, I do my makeup differently. So I love the idea. Like my goal is to kind of become a chameleon. And people have told me that I that I would do best in comedy because I do do a lot of comedy. But I also have had a lot of my most awarded things on things that were dramatic as well. So I, I I hope that I can do both. I like doing both. I like doing a variety. And in fact, one of the reasons that I've I say often that I want to be a film actor as opposed to a TV actor, which doesn't make any sense because I, I don't watch any movies and I watch only TV is that I just don't want to be stuck in one place for too long. Like I've never had a job that I stuck to for more than, you know, a couple years because it gets really um, claustrophobic. I want, I like the idea of, I'm in, I'm admitting it. I'm admitting it like I'm admitting it to a therapist. I like the idea of kind of always being on the edge of my seat with my life, you know, um, knowing that there's something more exciting on the horizon, knowing that I've, I'm experiencing as much as I can in this life. At this point, I, I feel like I need three lives to do all the things that I want to do. I, like I've said, I've maxed out the hours of every day that I have. And I, I just, wait, what was the, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, uh, I've gone so far that I don't actually remember what I was trying to answer. Well, it was, what is there like a central theme to what, oh, yeah. you know, all, all of your no. projects? No. Or are you just like no. <laughs> you, the, the central theme is well written. Like when I get a script that because I read a lot of scripts, I've always, um, you know, annotated for people, given notes and everything like that. Uh, I, I, I still do that to this day with my friends. Um, I want some, I want writing that genuinely makes me laugh or, or is, is honest. Not, not that like we have to write true stories every single time we write a script, but it has to convince me that these are real people, real lines, uh, real talk. That's kind of why I can't watch a lot of movies because they're at this point and, and people can give me recommendations for stuff that break this mold, but in movies, people talk like actors. People talk like characters. There are, there are lines that almost are, for some reason, inevitably recycled every single time, yet we never say them in real life. So I tend to gravitate to things that are well-written in that sense that, you know, they're fresh. They, you know, the characters speak like, like real people, even in a supernatural setting, even in something, a scenario that's a little outlandish. I want to believe that these are people that I'm watching. And to be honest, I think a lot of modern shows, especially Netflix shows, have done a really good job with that, you know, making us believe that we could possibly be watching be watching real people and that's at the base of all the characters all the kooky stuff that i try to come up with for my characters it does have to be at a foundation of reality a little bit at least i like that yeah uh, no, that's so absolutely yeah I'm, uh, obviously like i'm, I'm running out of time because I, I like to get on to the creation part uh and i like to talk to you so uh if, if you were to be given like a script uh, to work on something, would you prefer it to be a larger budget type project or a smaller budget to kind of get the grit out of it? I've never worked on a larger budget budget project, <laughs> so can't even relate. Um, but the thing is, and this is what I truly believe: um, when you when you are given a bigger budget, you're obviously giving a, given a lot more things that you can do with that budget, obviously. But I found that the most intelligent, the scrappiest filmmakers will find ways around, you know, the money aspect to do what they want to do. And I think that's magic in itself. Like there's there's no greater magic than a filmmaker who is able to make make an an adequate and touching movie without even having any kind of budget whatsoever. So I tend to think that. Well, I'm all I'm, I'm going to be an indie indie producer forever, I think. Because when you do climb the ladder and you do get more money, then you have to sacrifice kneeling to the producers executives, and yeah. the, the executives and, and everything like that. So uh, as long as, it's, as it is a well-written script, you know, I, I'm i on board. It, it almost doesn't matter unless like the, the, the quality of the production is like, you know, like really questionable. It's like, oh, this isn't going to go anywhere. So... Yeah, I was very surprised when Dylan, uh, when when he wrote his first script for us, uh, the the initial idea was like, oh, we'll, we'll just film this on our phones, we'll figure it out. And uh, it was like, maybe we don't really know exactly everything we should. So we reached out to a couple people and we found uh, some incredibly talented people that are willing to work on our project for free uh, just because uh, of the script that Dylan put together. So we oh got- Oh my God. Great, yeah, we got a great director Savannah O'Neill. They're we fantastic. Great, yeah, we got a great cinematographer that came. He came with like 
cranes and drones and like different props and stuff uh a sound guy there's this editor that uh reached out to help us out from chicago uh, a composer that we know and litter was like look we just have this script for like an 11 minute you know thing and it's something that we actually created on this show and people yeah. are like this is so interesting i really want to work on this so yeah i i uh, really agree and i don't think that if it wasn't for uh the show uh, the, the script that Dylan wrote and the people that we've met on here, I don't think that I would have believed that there are people that just want to create art for art's sake. And that was just so incredible. And looking at like the dailies and looking at like the shots they were taking, I'm like, how is this our world right now? This is so cool. Yeah. So I, I, I'm very thankful for independent producers, yeah. independent filmmakers. They are a magical people. And uh, even people like you, you know, you're out there and you're, you're making stuff. Uh, for the love of making it. And that's beautiful. And that's the reason we want to do it. That's, that's yeah. why we do it. Because it, we like... It, we li and that is such a testament to you guys, you know, that that somebody was able to see what you've done already. Even, even doing this show to see that your creativity and your will to work was so strong that they they invested their, their time and their resources in, into you. And, and as I was... And this kind of goes back to what I was saying before about doing doing things myself one thing that i also did you know in in diying my success till this point was basically qualifying myself for the people that want to pay me because again we have a lot of these people that want to call themselves writers call themselves um uh directors and producers yet they they never gave any actual reason for anyone to, who would invest in them to trust them to do that. They don't have any examples. They don't have like even a catalog where people are like, oh, I, no one's going to hire me for this stuff. It's like, well, you got to show that that you can do it because there are too many other people out here doing that already. And when I w started auditioning, I mean, the, uh, the Immaculate Reception, which was my Sundance movie, I didn't have a reel up at that point because I had just started acting nine months prior. So I started auditioning. I got that that role nine months into me film acting at all in my early 20s. And the thing is though, I had this reel from Wrecked Radio. And it's the only thing that I was able to shop around. And it and if you've ever seen my that show, it's a green screen. It's me standing in front of it like Joel McHale on the soup, you know, giving crappy crass jokes about my favorite punk punkers um but it was able to show so many more things it was able to show my demeanor on camera my my sense of timing and comedy my my mannerisms my and then above that my will to to self-produce and to um, that go-getter attitude so it gives you so much more when you take things into your own hands. And I really do believe that if you do want to make it as far as you think that you can do, you do not wait for anybody. Just do it now. I forget what the question is again, but there you go. <laughs> I was just saying, I appreciate indie filmmakers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, right. that's right. I appreciate them no. too. No, no, you're great. Yeah, uh, no. Jess Paul, you are uh, boundless uh, yeah. energy. Uh, you have so much creativity inside of you and uh, you are gorgeous and we appreciate you. Uh, but now we're going to uh, get into our part of the show uh, yes. because I got to prove yeah. to Dylan why I'm worth his friendship. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you, you don't. <laughs> time and time again. 
Yes. All right. Fine. Okay. So uh, before we get into our pitches, just some people we got to thank real fast. Uh, Air National Broadcast Media Television. Thank you so much for having us on there. Thank you for giving me a, uh, a website link that uh, sends me virtually to my best friend so I can talk to him and throw some stupid ideas. And so I can meet some very creative people like Jess Paul and everyone that I've met and that are well more talented than we are. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we got Mick Manhattan with Scene Snobs. Uh, thank you for believing us. And thank you for having our show on there. That's super, super cool. Some East Coast people. We have uh, Tony Sheck and uh, Sarah Tukacic and also Scott Curtis, one of the best interviewers and podcasters out there. If you like being interviewed, why not be interviewed by the best yeah. really the guy asked me questions that i never thought about before and it was stunning and i was trying to be funny and i came off uh incredibly sincere and he got the best out of me so uh check out scott curtis he is phenomenal uh okay and uh thank you to jess paul so please go oh, check yeah. out this is you're welcome uh, this is jess paul jess paul's art uh she makes some incredible stuff <laughs> headwear and movies uh so that's cool okay oh. miss jess paul so obviously this part of the show is where Dylan and I will pitch some ideas to you. And because we uh, don't like to decide anymore, you get to pick uh, and possibly help us make your own adventure. Yes. Yeah, I'm all that's, for it. It. <laughs> that's it. Okay. So uh, I have been throwing out this idea for the last couple episodes and people have not been playing with it for some reason, but I'm going to keep going because I think it's funny. And Let's it's see if this is the one. Baby. Yeah, this is character based. I know you're a fan of characters. So this will give us an opportunity to create a bunch of weird characters. So I had the idea. I love reality show. Uh, reality Me too. TV things. Dude, I watch I love so it. much it's reality TV. <laughs> Love it. Uh, the challenge is what I'm super into right now. Uh, I watch so much reality TV and I, I started having this weird idea that it seems like a lot of people want to be on reality TV. A lot of A-listers want to be on reality TV. So I had this idea about a production team that sends so well. uh, like, <laughs> A-listers to a remote location to be put onto a reality TV, but in transit, the production quits. So when the reality TV people get there, they think they're still on a show. They don't know what the show is about and they're living their life as though they're on a show even though there is no show they think the cameras are hidden oh and, my and, uh, god yeah. so i i don't really know what that is but uh i've been pitching it as being called back to reality so my idea that i would like to work on don't even give me is, the other idea this is mine we're, we're not i don't know dylan's dylan's uh, got something great because he's been winning every okay week. all right dylan you I've can been, try, I to, was, try to make your uh, i was winning recently but Oh, back no, to reality. That's so clever. Okay, yeah. Dylan, you're, you've really got a lot to uh, build on top of I here. I do. Um, so, so Zach's idea is very fun, and mine is kind of grim. Uh, so <laughs> this is the idea that at some point in the nearish future, it's probably like a cyberpunk, heavy neon, a lot of rain, a lot of fog. There is a discovery that there's like, when a person is alive, there's like a pearl in this, in like the brainstem, something equivalent is like concentrated, like serotonin or something. Mm -hmm. And you can extract it and then like crush it up and use it for a variety of purposes. So like you brew it in tea and you can experience someone else's memories or you can, Ooh. you know, do it in various other uh, R rated drug methods and it causes other various effects. And there's a recent discovery that there's some way to extract it without killing the victim but I figured this would be like the story of a kind of like street surgeon cartel that extracts these. And then this is their rise and fall. And we do like a cyberpunk crime story. And I don't know Ooh. what to call it. I don't know what, uh, I don't have anything for it beyond that pitch, which is giving me yeah, major for, repo vibes. Repo the genetic. Of, yeah. A yeah. little bit of repo. Um, which I love. So I love it. I love okay. that. 
Yeah, some some stuff like that. Something like that. That's interesting. Nothing yeah. beats grinding up brain matter and snorting that yeah. for memory purposes. Something. Which Surgery. Sounds pretty, Surgery. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> okay, well, honestly, Miss Jess Paul, this is why we had John here, because yeah. I don't want to decide. They're both good ideas. But they are pleased. really both good ideas. But I have to say, I feel like Zach's was particularly made for me. And I think that somebody else would do a lot, a lot more with, with brain pearl, in my opinion. So Dylan, this time, yeah. I'm sorry, buddy, but I, I'm going with back to reality. And I, I even love the title. Like, <laughs> oh my God, do I love like a punny, clever title? I'm not taking ah. it personally. This gives me a week Ooh. off, kind of. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know Dylan's well, I'm going like, to help. I want to help as much as possible. Oh, of course. Here. No, no. It gives him a week off of like thinking of something else for right. this week. Oh, yeah, oh okay. Again next week. Oh, okay. Yeah, got, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, so back to reality. Yeah. Now, I, I didn't see much in this. Uh, it was when I was watching Tropic Thunder yes. and looking at like some behind the scenes of Apocalypse Now and realizing like how bad some filmmakers are and how interested some people are in just becoming celebrities. So I like the idea of taking like Tropic Thunder and then the idea of like that Fire Island mishap and uh, putting the fire like, fest? Out. Yeah, the fire, yeah, the fire fest, yeah, and then putting like reality spin on that. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So th there's these actors that uh, have to go somewhere remote, and for some reason they just think that the cameras are all hidden, and then they start making a reality show in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, that's cool. pretty much all I got. So, you, you uh, got, I, have you ever seen or do you guys like Drop Dead Gorgeous? Is that the same? Is it the movie where Kirsten Dunst, she, uh, beauty pageant? Is that, is that what that movie's called? I've or never seen it. That, that's I giving me those kinds of vibes where, oh my God, we're going to have high comedy here. We're going to have lots of scenarios where characters... This is what I love about this kind of stuff too, is that, you know, with the the availability of, you know, moving camera, like handheld camera, like and everything, a reality show-esque, that's what it is, right? We're doing kind of like a comedy spin uh, on, a, on a faux reality show, like, you know, opposite. Yeah. Oh God, I love it so much. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we're diving into that territory, and okay, let's let's get back into it. That was just my insert. Um, no, yeah, I love it. I, th I think no. this is a very uh, a witty way of writing a comedy. I think if if it's done right, Dylan, yes. do you see that? Do you see this kind of setting to be a series or like a a movie, like a one off? Like this is just a joke. I could see it going either way, but I kind of like the idea of doing this as a series, even if yeah. it's like like even an if actual it's a limited one. Series. If yeah. it's a limited one, because at some point, the facade needs to drop. Like, at some yeah, point, someone us. needs to realize, wait, so-and-so, we scheduled him for a shoot. Where is he? It's like, it says he's working on Back to Reality. It's like, we canceled that show six months ago. What are you talking yeah. about? It's like, and then they have that they have that moment where they're just like, have you, call Stevens. Call yeah. And then they scramble to like get in touch with these people. And then they realize like, Oh no, we left yeah. a dozen people in the middle of nowhere with no supplies and they're probably all dead. Yeah. And then of course they're not presumably. No, no, they're all working. So. They're all, they're all yeah. doing yeah. this reality. They're show all doing, they're all doing work. Yeah. 
Yeah, they are. So I, I like the idea of like the reality shows like Survivor, uh, like Naked and Afraid or like Alone, where you are put somewhere where you're like, I guess this is where my shelter needs to be. Um, so if we set it around that, then obviously I would assume, and, and Jess Paul, you are a celebrity uh, and you like reality TV. So I would assume that you uh, understand the fundamentals of most reality TV, like, right? If it, it, you know yes. Survivor. It's, okay, cool. So, uh, I, so I, I watch too I, many. Uh, I got you beat. I got. I can guarantee it. Uh, okay, so let's just say, uh, let's say that we build this around. Uh, what, what do you think? Like eight characters? Do you think that's fair, or is that think, too many? I think eight is good because it's four teams of two teams, but they're all. I don't know how Survivor is built. There's, well, I'm not, I'm not saying Survivor is but... right. Yeah. Uh oh, is there? <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you're lucky. Um, no. So I was thinking more just like desolate area they don't have anything they it's, have to build their wait yeah. this is my major question the first question that i need to answer before we go forward who is actually filming this faux reality show like who's who's being the window into what we're seeing because they are talking to camera right so is it the crew like is so, there a crew there what i assume that no. based on zach's description i assume this was kind of like a group survivor man where they give a bunch of people cameras and Got they're it. like you guys are gonna go survive in the woods we're this gonna sounds be like just, the first movie i produced we're <laughs> gonna be just over the hill <laughs> we're gonna be just over the hill so we're not so far away but only call us in an emergency and they're like yeah okay got they, it they, so they're right. all filming they, each other okay. yeah maybe I'm there's some familiar. fitness guy who's like yo we are not calling in help we're gonna do this and then that's yeah. why they don't reach out when things start going badly right yeah. and they think and they think that there's hidden cameras in certain places so they have to like act like they're being good people uh and then they have to act like they're doing things although outside the handheld cameras there's really nothing there uh Got and then they, they they even do like <laughs> even fake confessionals because like oh look at how this tree set up this is obviously our confessional so i guess we'll just start doing confessionals i don't really know uh because i, I think that a lot of celebrities especially like higher up celebrities uh and i don't know why i think this but i would think that they have a hard time telling people that they don't know so they would just keep rolling with things sure uh maybe being like this is probably how it's going to go mm -hmm. uh but i also think that um it's 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 who is in this so uh dylan what are some celebrities or even uh, just Paul, <laughs> what are some celebrities that would do a show like this where they would be told that they're going to be out in the wild uh, but for more, you know, I guess like style of celebrities. I so mean, they have, have to like... be B and C celebrities hanging on to hope for their career for sure. There, yeah. there's a bunch of B and C, but I think there's one A lister. Okay, as like the they're the audience draw. And Zach, this is oh. kind of for us. I'm saying we make a copycat of Joe Rogan. So there's a fitness oh, bro yeah. who's out there in the woods doing workout oh. workout routines with like fallen logs or like he fashions a set of dumbbells. He's like. Got yeah. fit to survive and he's doing he's got like a bunch of rocks on a branch and he's doing lifts yeah so there's a fitness person there's probably a fashion person right uh if, if you think about all like types of uh of media and celebrity there's going to be like just a regular actor the heiress's uh, younger sibling oh yeah, just my god yes because they're they're not the heiress they're the younger sibling so they've got something yeah. to prove <laughs> Yeah. Uh, who else do you want to see on the show? Do we have like a, a, a like just a boring normal guy, like someone who is kind of like the straight man, but to the point where they become the a joke? Like, I'm thinking um, Nathan Fielder. If Nathan Fielder was sincere, who's Nathan Fielder? 
He's from Nathan. Nathan for you. He did dumb Starbucks. Oh, no. Zach, I I got it. We'll, we'll I've talk seen about the billboards this. for Nathan <laughs> yeah. for you. <laughs> it's okay. he. He does social engineering weirdness. Like he opened up dumb Starbucks next door to a Starbucks oh, okay. and copycatted Starbucks like one hundred percent. He's he's oh, very okay. strange. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. I'm into that. Uh, and then the A-lister, I would assume, is probably like an ex-A-lister who uh, needs to kind of get back into. They they have know, a whatever. movie coming up, and this is part of their marketing. Or there cool. could be a major plot point where a bunch of the the non-A-listers realize he's getting paid so much more to do, do this show when actually oh. none, none of them are getting paid <laughs> because the yeah, show's not happening. That. But uh, yeah, I love that. Okay, so where where do you think this place is set? Where where would they go in the world where they would not be able to get back from? I'm think it probably needs to be hospitable to being outside. So somewhere in like. <clears throat> California wood, like the redwoods, or like Ooh. I'm thinking somewhere in the woods. I'm thinking heavily forested, and I'm thinking yeah. somewhere that doesn't experience really dramatic weather changes. In order That's to my survive first it, yeah, or like an island off of Hawaii. When you Just, said Fire Island, yeah. I was like, oh my god, Fire yeah. Island all the way, or something yeah, like I, like, that, I like I like an island. I like so an island landlocks. as well. Yeah, so like a tiny little, uh, maybe like one of those small Hawaiian islands. Yeah, it's uh, set on a forested island does somewhere. Not exist. Yeah. Wait, okay, you perfect. run into anybody? They the those people on the island pretend not to speak English, but in reality, they're they're all there, and, and they're just letting these people suffer. Oh, I love that. Knowing love that, that. there, knowing that there is supposed to be a reality show there, and not wanting to to give into any of the of the actual um. Is the crew is the crew posing as the inhabitants of the island? <laughs> <laughs> well, no. no, because there is no crew. I guess. No crew. But, yeah, they, yeah, they don't. No. They don't no show crew. up. That's no fine. Crew. You're right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So like, uh, there, there was say like uh, the producers were like, "Hey, look, we'll send a plane for you," and all these people are like, "No, we'll get our own way there. Like, we're not going to deal with that, whatever." And that's why they don't know that uh, the the production is shut down, well, and they immediately just think. I figured they would be taken to the island as part of the show, and then the plane leaves as part of the like this plane, you know. Our teams are dropped off on the island, and their plane won't return for six months while they survive. And then production shut down, and they just lose track of time. <laughs> yeah, cool. I mean, I'm in that. I think that's funny. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, so I'm just making noise. <laughs> no, I know. I, I like <laughs> it's usually pretty apt noises. Uh, okay, so we have our celebrities, uh, most of them. We still need probably two more. Uh, now they get dropped off on a Hawaiian island, and uh, the fitness one, who is uh, uh, probably the, the biggest pushover, is like, We need to build a structure. We just got to get this going. And <laughs> before even the team is like, uh, Are we sure this is going on? Uh, and he just uh, they just start, right? Is that, does that seem like that's a funny way to get this going? So, I really, when I think about these celebrities, uh, you know, one of the biggest draws for, for like, you know, getting the story going is their contracts and everything because they're, you know, they're getting paid for this. They're getting exposure because they don't have as much to start with. So I, I believe that a lot of them would almost start fabricating the drama that you see on usual shows because they know how it all works. So, oh, so, cool. uh, you know, off the bat, you know, these people might make friends and alliances, 
but also start gossiping about the other members that are on the island. And really, because, I mean, celebrities know how these shows work. So we're really going to see both the underlayers of a reality show and, and how the actual celebrities that are on them or the participants will actually try to conduct themselves. I yeah. I like the idea that they do, they land and one of them tries to immediately take charge by like establishing yeah. a structure like or a shelter. Yeah. And then the rest of them are just like, um, this is not a good location for it. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like, well, I'll, point I'll, up I'll like a wasp nest or something. I thought the tide yeah. was going to come in like a meet, like at, at <laughs> 6 p.m. and just like first day, it yeah. just wipes out the hut. They, they do a beach house and the tide sweeps it away yeah. that first night. <laughs> I also like just the idea that they immediately start getting into alliances and like starting like, uh, we probably need to vote these people out. And even though no one knows what kind of show this is, what they're doing on the show, they're just like uh, just assuming. So I like the idea of alliances. I like the idea of uh, starting the drama by talking about how much this A-lister got paid. So I think that's great. Uh, I, I do like the idea of, of production dropping them off. That way they have the cameras and stuff. Because I like them having their own handheld cameras, and which would make yeah. them think that it's more of a reality show too. So I think that's cool. Um, okay, so what what are some other things, Dylan, that you think they would start hopping into uh, Oh, wait a minute. I have an idea about that because I'm really trying to qualify how that all makes sense because that's what I try to do. I'm like, okay, how did some, would someone believe that this whole thing was together? So what if, okay, this will put a whole twist on it. I might be jumping to the end here, but what if the whole twist about how this reality show, how they actually got themselves on the island despite it being canceled, was that a rogue PA or somebody lower down the totem pole kind of knew that it was canceled because of funds, uh, pandemic, whatever, but they actually try to facilitate this as their own experiment on to see like what these people would actually do. And that's how they kind of get there because that PA facilitates the transportation, some of that equipment, oh, and it's basically okay. his own mastermind. And that's kind of like the twist we have in the end while all the comedy pursues beforehand and we see what actually does roll out. How, what do you think about that guys? I, no, I, like, I like that. I like it getting canceled, and then the PA is like, I'll take care of getting them back, and then just doesn't. They're like... Well, I, I actually kind of like uh, the whole idea where like the PA gets fired and yes. knows that this is supposed to go down, and yes. it's like, ooh, I'm going to do this on my own to prove to these execs that I know what I'm doing. Yes. And my own show. Because yeah, again, like, cool. how do you get these people onto this island? Because I mean, realistically, they're going to have to get there somehow. So if he was, if that PA or that, like, whatever you would call it, like, a, maybe he's yeah. like the, the, the co, maybe one of the co-producers and he enters, he's the person that was supposed to email everybody, but he just doesn't email them that it's canceled and just goes on with the plan anyways. Yeah, make yeah. his own show. I, I like that. A make lot. his own show. Yep. God, oh, that's so great. Yeah, I think that's really cool, uh, and that's a really good twist for the end too, because um, then there's the reveal. Okay, cool. So we have these people on the show. They all have handheld cameras. Uh, they think that they're being filmed. They don't know why this is a show or what the show is about. Just that it is a new form of reality show. Um, they can even have a little bit of the structure, you know, and then kind of make up their own rules and as it goes along. No. And then, you know, they're they're probably besides like the gossip and slander against each other. They're also fighting about the rules of the actual the actual show and how they go about it. Like that can all really be wrapped into all the conversation that they have in a really fun way. I, I like that. What if what if at the start they're told like this is both reality show and social experiment about society. And that way they have like 
the psychology well, they, aspect. They there. said this was an experiment about society. Are we supposed to build our own society? And then I, I wonder if I don't, Zach, I don't know what your vision is, but I'm wondering if I'm going a little bit more slapstick on this. I'm <laughs> no, imagining I mean, I really, some slapsticky stuff. Yeah. No, I like see this really, being very, really broadly comedic. Yeah. Yeah. I see this being very, very tongue in cheek, very, uh, some A-listers have never, you know, lived this style of life before. Uh, they're, they're, they're breaking themselves down. I, I see this being very funny. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I can definitely see slapstick. Um, now, what, what kind of A-lister is on there that, that gets all of the money? Maybe maybe possibly a past Academy Award winner who never, you know, there's a, there's, I don't know if you guys, you guys have to know about, like the Academy Award winning curse. I think, I don't know if it's a, it's an actress thing, but like they get an Academy Award and then never do good roles yeah. for like the next five years. Yeah. So one yeah. of those guys that like, you know, was on the top of the world for like a second and then like, oh, he hasn't made a movie in a little they, bit. So. They want it for their first starring role and have never yeah, gotten good reviews. Yeah, one of those young ones. Yeah. yeah. Or, or is it somebody with a scandal that's trying to come back into uh, separate characters i think i was i was gonna say the other characters can definitely have their own scandals i think everybody should have their own reason for for basically trying to redeem themselves in this show yeah there are like reasons that. for doing this and i also i wanted to pipe into like i actually this, this is so funny that you did bring this up because i have been fabricating a couple of, of meta reality shows like in my for my own writing recently, I don't tell anybody about them because you know I don't want anyone to steal my ideas, whatever. But and you guys just put all your ideas out there. But um, one thing that I really love about all the movies, and it really puts me in a hole uh, when I write um, because it, it's expensive, especially with like Jesse's Girl. Um, I like to incorporate a lot of existing pop culture, or at least try to like adhere some like fake versions of the pop culture that we know um so that so that you know you don't have to pay for a song or something or a name but i really like the idea that on this reality show it's very meta very aware of other reality shows and like when they do talk about this stuff and do kind of develop that they they kind of talk about kind of and play with some of the um conventions of reality shows as well that's a broad statement to make but i i want to focus on that if we can too that would be no, fun. I like that. Like, like they, like they're talking to each other about what style of show this is. Like, yeah. Oh, this, like this is like a survivor. Because something that I, I don't care for in, in a lot of movies, and it's like, it's like how many zombie movies are we going to watch before people talk about knowing what zombies are? Like they, they've yeah. been around for, for like decades now. Like we know how this works. Like why doesn't anyone in any of these movies reflect our actual reality that, that, that <laughs> movies true. exist, you know? Yeah. I like um, that. Yeah. Char character so, so, idea. Washed up musician. Oh, yeah. Somebody has to be there cool. with a guitar ruining every single campfire. <laughs> yep, love that. Oh, so that's great. The, the up... Okay, so some of the people on here think that this is a Survivor-style show where they need to, like, build their sets and everything. Uh, some people on here think that it is, like, the challenge where they're going to go to a very big, elaborate house and live real-world-style. Uh, so there's really no true idea. And other people thinking they're... it's Love Island, and they're all having sex with each other. Oh, <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And then, uh, yeah, and then, and then Johnny Depp's on there, and he's just like, "I just want people to like me again. I don't really care." Um, they offered me a position, I and I didn't read the contract. <laughs> yeah, but I brought what, wine. So one thing I've always wanted to see in a reality show parody is somebody actually sit there, like after everybody talks shit on all of the people they've already, sorry, but that the, they have already yeah. met. And they go, 
and then and then it finally cuts to one of the really well-meaning like actresses that just goes yeah i just came here to make friends yep. <laughs> Every single episode of reality TV, people are always like, I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here I'm to make friends. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not here to make friends. Yeah. I'm just uh, make friends. <laughs> okay. So uh, they, they start off and what they, they, what do you think they, they divide into teams? Is that what they would do? Or I don't, uh, I don't think so. I think they struggle for who like the, the leader is. Yes, and I really do see a lot of alliances and enemy team like kind of like being created there in the initial. Like I think that that's kind of what naturally would happen in that scenario, anyways. And like both with celebrities and if like you're trying to figure out how a reality show works. So I, yeah, I agree. If, if we do eight characters, and we have seven right now. We can have them yep. start off just trying to figure out what team, what kind of show this is, and then at some point they're like, "Fine, I'm starting my own team over here," and we break into four and four. But, but it's, but they don't go very far because they don't know what's going on. So they just kind of like settle on opposite ends of a beach and they're like, Hey, one fire. Hey, stop moving the line. We drew that line last night. It's like, I'm shifting it over. So it's fair. And they're like wiping it off the sand. Yeah, I uh, love that. And and, and to, to rip off of that, even I feel like, and I'm talking more about thematics than actual plot points, but like. On, on top of that, like if we keep going to the cameras and we add a little bit of post editing into it where like you see different names of reality shows and different styles of filming pop up, you know, as well when they're trying to, again, uh, establish what kind of reality show it is so that a couple different teams are literally doing all different kinds of reality shows. I love that. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think that if maybe do you think there's anything in the idea of like having the people sit down maybe the first night and be like, apparently what we're doing is creating a new reality show we have to come up with our own rules and like some are like no and then the, when they break apart like dylan said then the one team's like i think we should start voting people off and they're like, what are you talking about like to who yeah, to where yeah, yeah to I like, what i like the idea that the first night they all sit down together and they're like so what are we so what are we doing what's up guys my yeah. name is uh billy westerman uh, i'm a uh, country western musician and I, uh i know you guys have probably heard about me but uh yeah, i had that I had that scandal where i said the n-word back then but you know i'm a changed person <laughs> yeah i also brought my mouth harp bang 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 oh god oh, your your song your song love is a party just was the, the defining song of my high school years yeah Totally, uh, totally blurs the line of country and EDM. Loved it. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so uh, night night one, they uh, the eight people sit down and they try to talk about what kind of show they're going to create since uh, nobody really told them what was going on, and they all have uh, their favorite reality shows. Uh, we mentioned a lot of different kind of reality shows, and uh, that's when the two factions start forming, where one group thinks that it's more survivor based and they have to start building their structure and the other group thinks maybe it's more um what, what what's like another style of show do you think naked and afraid kind of works uh, i think survivor I think kind of... man i think someone is like mm. they they dropped us off here and we have to survive and he like oh, okay cool had, pulls out like a massive knife and it's like how in the world did you get that on the airplane it's like yeah 
Yeah. So, so some, oh, so, so half of the group thinks that it's uh, survivor style where they got to sit there and do challenges and then vote somebody off. The other half thinks that it is similar to survivor man where they have to get to a certain destination by a certain time to be pulled out. And then there's fighting whether they should leave the camp that they built or stay there and wait for challenges or the host that will never show up. Right. Is, is that seem kind of funny? Yeah. All right. So oh then we get, then we well, get I to mean, like day two. Just in my brain, like I'm like thinking like, you know, even if we start, even if the, the, the movie here, like even starts with more than, than, uh, what, what do we have? Like eight people, but it, but yeah. it pairs down after a while, after people start dying and like, <laughs> oh my God, people are dying in this thing, you know, for <laughs> real, instead of getting voted off. And that could really yeah. like, you know, that could be, cause I, when I think about the, the reality shows I watch, I actually watch a lot of uh competition reality, um, skill-based competition reality, mm -hmm. like, uh, like ink master and face off. I love those kinds of things. So, um, you know, to, to, to turn it to eventually maybe turn it into that kind of parody, uh, we could start knocking people off. <laughs> do the first one who, who dies and then really dies, do they just like, I guess it's the end of, we've been here for like a week. Um, I vote off Billy, I vote <laughs> off Billy. And, and they'll vote him off. And then he's like, what am I supposed to do? It's like, I don't know. Get out. And then he walks off into the wilderness and like, gets eaten or falls off a cliff or something. Or he actually finds like some kind of society and is fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, he actually the, finds a boat and gets out of there. The very first. Oh my guy, god, that would be great. Yeah. What if the first person that the actually ends up leaving is the one who survives? Yeah, yeah. He he kind of comes back and just like what? Whoa! It's I guess I win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he comes back and he's like. Oh man, I can't believe that I was on that show to go. That show was canceled. What are you talking about? And he's like, "What? There's still seven other people there." He, he <laughs> publishes a book, uh, an autobiography yes, about it, which no. gets adapted, and he wins an Academy Award for oh, my the adaptation. God. Oh, That's the end I irony. Love I love that. The computer. My brain's not on empty, but my computer is. <laughs> All right, don't worry. We got to go from here. You. Uh, I think we need just kind of, I think we need a few more beats just in general. Yeah. We don't have to be anything specific. We just need to fill in a bunch of these blanks. I mean, we definitely yeah, okay. have to have some hookups for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously some hookups. Um, we also have to, okay. So the first night they're there, they don't really know what's going on. They're love fighting. That's when they have the sit down thing and the alliances form. The second night is when they try to decide on what show they're going to mimic and there's division. And then for some reason they vote one person off. And that person just wanders into safety. Um, <laughs> now, yeah. yeah. Um, now, let, let's say that we start with twelve people, right? And uh, most of these people don't really need to be. Yeah, uh, not right now. Yet. Yeah, right. Because um, if if one person <laughs> maybe goes away pretty immediately, right? Like they just get washed into the ocean or something. When and, the house when the house gets swept away in the middle of the night, it's like yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Where were they? I think they were sleeping in the. They built that house. There's a house. Yeah. yeah, and then the rest of them are like, "Wow, there's a there's a production value. This show's pretty high. They're just getting rid of people." And they go, "Yeah, okay, yeah. so uh, maybe we should get out of here." Uh, I yeah. do like them. Maybe uh, at some point, deciding that they need to trek through the island as like a team, maybe because if if we go through all the tropes of different genres of you know reality TV, I think that's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, Dylan, what is a reality show that you watch? Um, 
Forged in Fire, kind <gasps> of. I love Forged in Fire. Uh, we watched the fire. first episode of that Netflix show, that Netflix reality show. You remember that one? Which one? No. Is that where, where there was the fee? There was the fine for hooking up? Oh, my God. Which show is that? <laughs> what was that show? Too Hot to Handle I don't, or something? Too Hot to Handle, I think, is what it was oh. called. It was, Wait, was that the one? Where, yeah, Too Hot to Handle. Yeah, it, yeah, it that was, was on Netflix. Was they they am start I, off. Am I imagining the poster where a guy is crawling on the beach after a girl, or like, is that? Am I no, remembering that? No, I think you're right. And like, and if if they yeah. do like, if they kiss, they lose like a thousand dollars. If they like, do that's more stuff. Fun. Yeah, that was, that was a terrible show. It uh, was. Oof. I saw the one episode. I don't watch a whole lot of reality TV. Um, I do. I binged. That I know time. you Once do. Once you left, Dylan, I I know you did. through that season. You you, and, you went through every episode. <laughs> Oh God, I, I'm a sucker for reality TV. Um, okay, see, so this is the thing. These- this is where that's where you really see people act like people. I, I know everybody's yeah. putting on a front and they're trying to play up their own character, but it's it's not scripted line for line. You know, you're seeing how real people react, yeah. how defensive people can be when they are wronged, and that because that's what people really do. And I yeah. that's why I think it's so fun. Yeah, wow. I love it. Like when you watch MTV Challenge, you're like, these people just work on their bodies. They're so insecure, and then they get a little bit of alcohol in them, and they got to fight because. They oh don't my be god! As, yeah. Uh, whatever. TV no, that, I think it's. I love it. Okay, so um, yeah, they build they build a shelter. That thing goes away. Uh, maybe a couple people perish. They decide to trek it through the wilderness. I guess. Yeah. Um, and then what they maybe they decide that they're probably on some sort of cooking show. Uh, so maybe they got to find <laughs> weird things to try to cook. Um, I'm trying to think of like other things that they would think well, like, oh, this is probably what we would like to do. At some point, would it make sense for the facade to kind of fall away where they're like, someone goes like, guys, I don't think anybody knows we're here anymore or something like after some, maybe, maybe someone dies like in front of them and they're like, yeah. and they're like, no EMTs, no one coming out. Yeah. They're calling for help. Yeah. Like one of them smuggled a cell phone in or something. And, they, and they're like, I don't have any service. 911, nothing. Like, guys, I don't know yeah. if we're actually on a show. So at some right, point, cool. I think the facade needs to fall. And then what? Well, so they could try to escape, right? They could like build some sort of uh, device to get them off of the island. Uh, but also, we do have this rogue uh, PA slash uh, bad producer person that is, needs to come back true. into play. He's they got to work back into this. So, um, so maybe okay, he so we're actually like- did set up some of the cameras because again, I'm thinking technically here, and like there are cameras, but again, it's not connected to the real show. Maybe yeah, you know? so maybe he maybe he's watching all this behind the scenes. Like, oh, this is gold. This is gold. And yeah. then once that one person dies on camera, and he's like, I don't know what to do anymore uh i don't know what to do <laughs> and that's when like the facade breaks and he comes out and he goes hey guys listen i uh this was an experiment i uh, i don't know i don't have any more funding we're kind of stuck out here uh and then that is guy he, joins the show he's on the island yeah is he on the island i, I assume well, he's if, back in the studio doing everything remotely well i mean if so if he brings them there and he uh whatever is he- i would have he, could he, uses be there. His per- he uses his personal boat and he just parks it offshore. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> sure, sure. This PA has his own uh, uh, yeah. uh, media media yacht. 
<laughs> I'm cool with that. Uh, okay, so then what what happens? So does he he watches somebody uh, die and then has to break, or do the people on the show realize that it's not real and they break? I like the idea that he watches someone die and he goes on shore to like tell them what's up. And he's like, "Hey, this went too far. Let's get on my boat." And in the background, you can see like the jo- the fitness bro or something like climb onto the boat and start trying to pilot it and just completely runs it aground. <laughs> Like he, he's trying to great. trying to steal the boat and then strands everybody on there for real. Yep, I love that. Oh, I love that. Okay, oh, and then what can we do? All over again. Okay, so now we just have a bunch of people. They know that it's fake. Uh, they don't have a way out anymore. Um, what what are they going to do? I mean, this is the point where it kind of dissolves into chaos, and yeah. everybody yeah. kind of. I think starts to be really out for themselves. Well, honestly, I mean, it probably does play out more like a, a, a show, a competition because they are trying to fend for themselves now for realsies, you know, the gossip yeah. is over and now, and now they're really trying to either escape or. Uh, and yeah. the person who got voted off first and wound up escaping comes back with rescue as things are like dissolving into chaos. Like, I think if the first person to get voted off and die is the one to come back and get him and he comes back and it's like Lord of the Flies, okay, then it's like that's a good ending. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, let's, I also let's talk about the that, chaos in between, yeah. Yeah, I, I also I, I like that that's how the show wraps up is this person comes back, uh the first uh w- Willie Countryman or whatever his name was, uh he goes and gets help and comes back. That's a great ending. Uh, I like when it starts going down into straight chaos because uh, they're all privileged, I would assume. So they don't really have, uh, maybe not all of them have like technical skills that's going to help them. Uh, They think that people are going to die. They know they're not on a show anymore. They can't get in touch with their producers or publicists. So they're kind of freaking out. Uh, Social media is not helping them whatsoever. And, um, but I also like the idea of maybe (laughs) two of the people still thinking that the show's real. And just kind of still going along yeah. with it. Yeah, uh, I, I and, think that would be yeah. funny. Yeah, and you don't know how like, many <laughs> layers there are to this thing, man. There's like <laughs> yeah. a cons- he's a conspiracy theorist or something, or like a conspiracy podcaster or something. Yeah, uh, and then maybe like the producer guy ends up hooking up with somebody because there's got to be like the hookups. You know, that's oh, got to happen. Have to be. The there have to be. Yeah. Um, all right. Cool. So. But but the thing is, this, and then and then again, I'm thinking technically too. Like when the facade breaks down. Are they still vlogging? You know, are they still recording their reactions? Like some, some of them are. Yeah. Yeah. Because we're gonna have are. to see I, it I somehow. That, yeah, I I like it that they're all like, so it's not even a reality show. It turns out I'm just talking to this camera for no reason. Yeah. Uh, I think that's really cool. Um, but I, I think this maybe works as a standalone film now that uh yeah. like the, the beats kind of work. It does I don't yeah. really yeah, I don't really see this having the duration of a series just yet. Um but I, I like it being a compressed film about uh, the downside of, of reality TV. I think that's you, here. Let me ask you guys' opinion. Um, do you think that any premise can be stretched to a series and truncated to a movie? Like any? You think it's possible? Like I that's mean, how story any, can, Yeah, any can be really. I, I mean, because all, all a story is is uh, an arc, right? Yeah. So if you could fill if you could fill a lot of the filler stuff in with something interesting, you definitely can be. But a lot of times it does just feel lengthy, you know, uh, it, what do you it think, needs Dylan? to, it needs to be really well 
like really well done. You need to put a lot of care into making sure that your filler doesn't come across as filler. Um, because I think people realize it. Um, I mean, I, given time, we'd be able to stretch this into a series. It's just a matter of time to develop it. Yeah. I believe, I believe so too. Yeah. The problem with, with like, you know, the, the movie or the solo story is for the most part, you have the linear arc. Everyone goes, into something, out of something. Whereas yeah, you, you uh, a series, see that mountain. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. a series, it's like boom, boom. It's like a bunch of little humps because you got to have the series itself make fast. arcs. Yeah. So it, it, it is yeah. harder. And I think I think that we we're seeing that with like WandaVision, where WandaVision seemed like a movie that was broke down into series, and you're like, this almost doesn't flow right. There's something a little bit off about it because it was, I think, a linear idea that was forced into a series. Whereas I think Falcon and Winter Soldier, you can see that it was built as episodic, so it has that uh, structural arc that's right. Well, I think Disney, in particular, is very, very hesitant to break their formula, even when they're changing medium. Like, what works for a movie, pacing-wise, doesn't necessarily work for a TV series, and that includes where you put your beats. Like, WandaVision felt a little... It, 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 it was a little herky-jerky on that. And I think by virtue of being an action series, Falcon and Winter Soldier is avoiding that a little better. But, I mean, I think if you're willing to admit to the difference in format and work with it, because as a writer, you need to roll with the punches of what you're handed yeah. to you. And I direct that towards J.J. Abrams because I know he's watching you have. <laughs> um, no, you, you gotta roll with the punches. You can't just like, you can't just be like, this is what I want to do, and that's what I'm gonna do. You have to be like, all right, I'm now I'm talking yeah. about like what to do if you establish a series. But if you're adapting something from a movie into a series, you have to be able to be like, well, I like this from the original. How can I make it work in a longer format? Right. Uh, but there are some times that we write something and it's like, look, this is only a series. I yes. don't think that we can put this into a one solo thing, just because it's almost like this is someone's life, which has to feel repetitive. So, um, what, yeah, one of the first things that we always try to figure out is like, what kind of story is this? And I, I the, first, it does make sense for this to be a series because I, I can see it in my brain is like tuning in to a couple of different weeks and seeing how this goes. But once you start breaking it down, it's like one one concise storyline might be uh, the the most efficient way of hitting all these jokes properly and just keeping <laughs> it all together. And I think there's something to be said for not trying to wear out the welcome or like not trying to wear the joke thin. If you go too long on a certain premise, sometimes no matter what you put in there, you're like, all right, they're doing a fake game. They're doing a fake reality show thing. Yeah, we get it. Come on, get over it. Yeah. So, and you can see this sometimes with documentary series where like uh, there's a document, it's a solid two hour documentary. Yeah. But for some reason, Netflix puts it into six episodes and you're like, I feel like I'm, I'm retreading a lot of the same ground. Like I already know this stuff. So uh, that, that is one of the things that Dylan and I really work mm-hmm. against is like, if we're going to put it in a series, how do you keep it fresh every single time? So people are interested. Um, well, isn't it, isn't I, it so interesting with the development of the like Netflix 10 episode limited series, like how we've kind of gotten used to that. And then you go and you, you watch a network television show for the first time in a while. And you're like, damn, they got 24 episodes out of these yeah. characters. How did they do that? And and in yeah. a lot of it, like, cause I'm I'm watching SVU right now. I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching, I I I've been Classic. supernatural, you know? Mm-hmm. And and it's like 
binging a show really <clears throat> opens your mind up to a lot of how these shows work because it's so truncated. You're binging yep. it. You're seeing these things. And like, did, did you guys ever watch Supernatural? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, I, oh, it's yeah. like, damn it. Why won't they just stop lying to each other? If the boys would just yeah. tell each other everything, every single season, they did this for every season. They just would not tell each other everything. And then it would just always, that's all they ever needed to do. And they would find new yeah. ways and new reasons for them to avoid telling each other the truth about well, something instead it's of working a, together. The interesting thing about SVU and Supernatural and that style of show is that they are effectively monster of the week yes, shows. Exactly. And that's where all yeah. their longevity comes from. And you notice it in the personal in the personal conflict where it's like stabler man get a grip you got to calm yeah. down buddy you're being suspended for like the fifth time this season <laughs> right it's episode right. it's episode oh my god it's episode 13 and you're on suspension for the fourth time like man come on and then eventually at after like two or three seasons they decide you know the status quo needs to be shaken up a little bit and then well and it's Dean, kind of Dean dies or something like that. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Dies again. Again, yeah. Again, again yeah. Um, <laughs> or yeah, but it's kind of the same gets, thing that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's like with Lost. Like a Lost, it's like, okay, you have this very cool idea for a series. It works. But then by like season three or season four, you're trying to extend it. So you're trying to build in a fake storyline so that yeah. I can keep the repetition and keep it poetic. But then you got to just rely on your character development. And that's where everything just goes bad. And compare um, that to shows like Maniac on Netflix, which is woo! effectively, I love it. It's an eight hour long movie because it is right. heavily serialized Beautiful. for each episode directly leads into each other. And they deal with a constantly advancing condition of the world. Do it's I not a recommendation. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Watch, watch maniac. Yeah. Uh, maniac go, is go, very good. Yeah. You don't need to watch the original content though. It's, it's not as uh high thought it's, it's, what do you it, mean? Original cool content? So maniac was uh, originally uh, it's it's off of like an old Swedish show that came out oh, a couple years it. ago, and got then it. it got adapted by Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. It is it is oh yeah, Justin Justin okay. Thoreau. It's very Justin good. Thoreau, yeah, yeah, very very good. Uh, yeah. Dylan, we're out of time, buddy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> Ah, no, no uh, need to apologize. So, this is what we do. Yeah, I love this. Uh, Miss Jess Paul, you oh, you have been amazing. Thank you so much for being Thank one of uh, my oh, yeah. uh, favorite guests on here. So, yeah. so cool. We, we absolutely love them. Where is my trophy? Uh, <laughs> I love it. I, I'll, I'll send it to you. It, it will look very similar to an Expo marker. Oh, good. Yeah, That's all I need. Yeah. It'll be a gold expo marker. Uh, but Miss Jess Paul, will you please one last time tell people where they can find you, where they can buy your t-shirts or your uh I, do, <laughs> your I beautiful... actually am selling t-shirts. I am yeah. selling t-shirts. It's on Give it to it's, me. this is Jess Paul uh dot threadless.com. <laughs> get get oh a Rex Radio t-shirt, get get um, you know, some of my my God, nothing's in reach of me right now. But yeah, I honestly, Jess Paul, I am the first thing that comes up. I'm at least proud of that, that I'm on the first page of Google under my pretty short and common name. So yeah. <laughs> if I can toot my own horn. Yeah. And I Hold will on. say that if you go if you go to Jess Paul's IMDB page, uh, her photos are so aggressively different. And so oh, yes, this, thank uh, you. What yeah, what a beautiful collaboration of photos for somebody. Yeah. I, I was looking, I was like, wow, this is really cool. This you go to like, anybody else person? like this. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, which yeah, one so, am I using? To, uh, yeah. I guess I'm just using the main one. Yeah. But uh, either way, Jess, you have been so great. And oh. thank you so much for hanging out. We love creators. We love anybody who likes to think outside the box and just wants to create some stuff. And as you can see, we made this weird thing, which uh, we're calling Back to Reality. And I it's think about it's a, a great bunch start. Of, 
Yeah. I love it. I'm into it. We'll probably work on this soon. And if you don't oh, know, yeah. we do a live version of this on Twitch every single Tuesday where we're trying to develop the stories more, uh, break it down, and actually get the plot points so we can get to a script that we could do a reading of. Uh, but while we are out of time, once again, please go visit. This is Jess Paul. She is amazing. She's very talented writer, producer. She even makes uh, fake cupcakes that you want to eat. You probably can't. You could. I don't care. It's up to you. Uh, you, you probably try. Uh, you could definitely try. You don't but sue me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything's <laughs> edible if you believe in yourself <laughs> right, do not sue just paul if i said that please uh also don't sue me it's whatever uh but you can see all, all of our stuff over at somenobodies.com we have a movie coming out soon it's called give me back you can find it on imdb we are in post-production we do have a gofundme so we can give some money to our amazing people that did help us like we we're talking about earlier you can go check that out we have a patreon blah 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 we love you guys so much thank you for spending any time with us i love attention thank I am you an attention me too i think it's me i do this every week just paul you do this very rarely now uh anyway uh, i have been zach uh he's been dylan you have been great she's been just paul thank you so much and we'll see you next week bye yeah. until next time be well bye <laughs>